Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to the Just the West podcast. I'm your host, Just the West, and we are on the tail end of the first quarter of the NFL season. So week four is upon us, and, you know, knock on wood, but thankfully for the NFC West, uh, there hasn't been any COVID-19 holding back on the season, but it is Saturday as I record, and as I'm sure you guys have seen the news on Twitter or anywhere else on the news outlet, but, you know, Cam Newton... New England Patriots, he has tested positive for COVID-19. And so to make matters worse, uh, apparently there was someone on the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, practice squad quarterback, he tested positive. And so the New England Patriots and the Kansas City Chiefs were slated to play at the 1 o'clock Pacific time frame on Sunday. And because of this positive test, they have postponed the game and they are, as as of right now at least, as of Saturday, 11.57 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, it looks like they are going to try to move that game to Tuesday night football. And because of that 1 o'clock time slot being moved, the Bears and the Colts will move from 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time to the 1 o'clock time frame. Um, this is a little unsettling for a lot of people. Uh, for me, I'm not as taken aback by it just because I know that, you know, for the NFL going into this, they knew that there was a threat of COVID-19 positive tests, right? So they expanded the practice squad roster. They allowed veteran eligibility for the practice squad. They have some flexibility to switch out bye weeks and whatnot. Um, they introduced short-term injured reserve for three weeks versus, you know, a much longer duration to be out when you go in on injured reserve. And uh, last but not least, too, uh, you know, they don't want this to happen, but push comes to shove. The NFL, schedule-wise, has also given themselves a four-week cushion uh, to delay the season a bit further uh, to further push back the playoffs out. In case any sort of fuckery does happen. And I know that we're already you know, into week four of the, of the season, the first quarter. But uh, yeah, it happens in light for moments like this. And so as of right now, I know that a lot of fans are kind of taken aback by the recent COVID-19 tests. Uh, I know that our president, Donald Trump, recently tested positive for COVID-19 too. So... It's been a big flurry the last 48 hours, to say the least. It's been um, it's been a lot. It's been a lot. But I do feel optimistic that the season will continue. I think that kind of similar to the Miami Marlins and the Philadelphia Phillies with Major League Baseball, uh, they had some positive tests in the beginning of the season, and thankfully they were able to clean it out. And here we are into postseason. It is October baseball for them. So let's just... Pause, hold the brakes. Let's just see what happens uh, with those respective teams. Hopefully, everything does get contained and people can move forward. But at least in the NFC West, things are slated to play for our full slate of games on Sunday, October 4th. And so when you look at the NFC West right now, the Seattle Seahawks, they are 3-0. and They are coming off, you know, a pretty convincing 
win over the Cowboys. It was a game where it was it was a shootout. Um, but man, Russell Wilson was cooking. So they are three and zero undefeated. The Rams are two and one. They had. I won't say they had it in the bag, but uh, they had a chance of coming away with the comeback victory against the Bills at Buffalo. They were down several scores in the first half. They came back. They took the lead. They, they made it a game. But the Bills, and this is this is something where you can certainly make some controversy on, on their bullshit P.I. call, but whatever. Uh, the Bills came back. They came back for the win. Josh Allen remains undefeated. And the Rams now fall two and one. The Cardinals are now two and one as well. And I kind of predicted this. I, I thought it was kind of be uh, sort of a trap game. Um, it happened. Cardinals lost to the Lions, in which Kyler Murray, who was looking superb through the first couple weeks of the season, yeah, he kind of laid an egg. He threw three interceptions. It could have been a fourth interception. Didn't look as sharp. And that's what happens. More turnovers, uh, the more likely you're going to lose that football game. And so Lions beat them on their home opener. So they are 2-1. and one. Last but not least, San Francisco 49ers, uh, despite playing at MetLife Stadium again in back-to-back games, despite being in the East Coast, Despite all their injuries, they came out up top and rolled all over the New York Giants. Uh, back-to-back weeks of New York teams that they rolled over, the Jets and the Giants. And so they're a 2-1 as well. And from what I understand, uh, Nick Mullins, who started in place of Jimmy Garoppolo this past game, he is slated to play in Week 4 again because uh, Jimmy Garoppolo remains injured with a, with a high ankle sprain. So all in all... Uh, still a very lit division despite some of the losses for the Rams and the Cardinals. It's still a very competitive division where, you know, if you look at it, uh, they have a combined for all four teams in the NFC West, they have a combined 9-3 and three record, which is really good. It's a really good record through three weeks in the season. So let's go ahead and talk a little bit more about NFL Week 4 and the NFC West. All right. Two 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time games in the NFC West. So you have the Cardinals at Carolina Panthers. Okay, so the Cardinals, they're 2-1. and one. They're coming off a really shitty loss at home. They play against the Panthers who, mind you, pulled an upset against the Chargers. They beat them last week. But at home, Teddy Bridgewater, DJ Moore, Ryan Anderson... Not too bad. Not too bad. Their passing game remains pretty healthy. The thing that really messes up this offense is Christian McCaffrey is on the IR. I mean, if you guys didn't know that by now, I mean, that that's what it is. He's out for like the next, I don't, I don't know, five, five, six weeks or so. But anywho, so they have Mike Davis as their lead back. And last week, you know, he had, he wasn't CMC, that's for damn sure, but he had like Seven catches in the backfield, like 18, 19 touches in the game. So, you know, this game is at Carolina, but the Cardinals remain the favorite at three and a half over under 51 and a half. Supposedly a high scoring game, but then at the same time, too, as I looked at the spreads going into week four, uh, Vegas has given a lot of 
over-unders in the 50-plus point range. So, you know, it's kind of trending towards a higher scoring offense across the league, a passing game, more points, and I could see it. I could see it. So, you know, both teams are more than capable of putting up points. I know that Teddy Bridgewater doesn't have CMC, but like I mentioned before, you know, DJ Moore, Ryan Anderson, uh, Kurt Samuel, Mike, Mike Davis, uh, they have some weapons. They have some weapons, and they can especially take advantage of this Cardinals defense that is hurting right now in the secondary. And who am I talking about in particular? Well, they're down to their, like, their fourth, fifth safety right now. I look at it right now, and on the injury report, you have the starting safeties. Chris Banjo, Buda Baker, even their backup Jalen Thompson, they are out. So the first three safeties, they are out this game with with injuries. And so on paper, you're going to have Curtis Riley and Deontay Thompson. Not bad, but that's like your fourth, fifth safety on the depth chart. And so, you know, if I'm the Panthers and I have more than capable wide receivers and DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, Ryan Anderson, really high-flying sort of receivers, fast receivers, that is something where I would take a couple shots up, up the field. Uh, they haven't really done so much uh, lately, but, you know, I did see some really explosive plays from DJ Moore last week against the Chargers, and so that is something that I would be very concerned about. Uh, thankfully, this time around, they don't really have a big tight end presence uh, when I was thinking about safeties or linebackers, but, you know, uh, that is something to keep in mind. Um, going back to linebackers, Cardinals, you know, Isaiah Simmons, it's, it's an interesting story because... Isaiah Simmons was their first-round pick, eighth overall by the Cardinals. But the pick before was the Panthers, and the Panthers chose to draft, instead of drafting Simmons, who was mocked to a lot of experts to have them draft Simmons to replace Luke Keekley. they went towards the trenches and they drafted defensive tackle Derek Brown. And mind you, you know, a defensive tackle isn't the flashiest position by all means, but he's been very solid for them. He's been consistent he had uh i think last week he had five tackles three for losses but like his presence has been felt through three weeks as a rookie and i can't say the same about isaiah simmons up to this point in the season now i know it's the first quarter of the season but pretty much after the cardinals placed him as the starter against the Niners in the season opener he got burned on a 76 yard touchdown by raheem mostert and he hasn't been as active in the lineup ever since uh, mind you, uh, when you put this all together, uh, it's still very early in the season, but I am intrigued uh, in regards to this Cardinals front seven. Um, overall, they've been okay. They've been okay units, but you know, with the secondary being really hurt, uh, it does make you wonder um, because the Panthers certainly have the speed to, to really challenge this Cardinals defense. On the other side of the football, Talking about Kyler Murray and his three interception game, I mean that was uh, was it an egg or is that more of things to come? Because he was looking so good through the first two weeks of the season, he lays one against the Lions at home, which sucks more. Especially, uh, I would hope that Kyler Murray gets his shit together. I'm, you know, like a rebound game. It's going to be especially tough this time around because. His favorite receiver, no surprise, through three weeks in the season, like DeAndre Hopkins is way up there for receiving yards and catches, but he is limping into Sunday. 
He's got an ankle injury. He's been questionable going into this week. He's likely going to play. Uh, I got to double check if Christian Kirk is going to play because he was out last week. But, you know, their receiving options are, I won't say they're dwindling, but it sucks when you know, you don't have the Andrew Hopkins around. They, they use their tight ends kind of, sort of, not really in the, in the passing game. So if I'm Kyler Murray, I'm going to rely a little bit more on Larry Fitz. Uh, he had seven catches last week. I think seven catches for 60 yards. So I would expect a little bit more involvement for Larry Fitz if DeAndre Hopkins remains a little hobbled. Maybe they might use DeAndre Hopkins in a decoy sort of fashion. Maybe that's the, the game plan for them. And then also, you know, when I look at this uh, Carolina Panthers front seven, you know, their, their defensive ends, their defensive line is pretty good, bringing pressure with Brian Burns and a couple other guys that they have on the defensive line. But since they didn't really address their linebackers, I mean, they're, they're, their linebackers are okay. They're okay. This run defense is okay. And for Kenyon Drake, the starting running back for the Cardinals, they haven't really had a breakout game from him. I think he's been, uh, the last couple games, he hasn't broken like 80 yards rushing. I think that might happen this week. I think that you're going to lean a little bit more so on the run game uh, if your receivers are kind of up and down uh, for the game plan. But I'm still kind of waiting for a Kenyon Drake breakout game. And this Panthers defense outside of Brian Burns and some of their edge guys, it's an okay unit. You get what I'm saying? So if I'm the Cardinals, that is something that I would like to have kind of supplement uh, DeAndre Hopkins in case he's not fully 100%. You want to run game. They've been trying to run the uh, the ball, uh, but they just haven't broken one out yet. And Kenyon Drake had like 19 carries for 75 yards last week. I'm hoping that they kind of keep it along uh, and and really get something more out in week four for their run game. So all in all, I would put the Cardinals. I still I still like them. Uh, they're favored by three and a half. I think it'll be close in that sense where. Their secondary and their injuries might nip them in the butt. But I think they come out. I think they come out. Give me 27-24 Cardinals on the road. All right, next in line, uh, the other 10 a.m. game, Pacific Standard Time. It's the Seahawks. And no complaints. They're going to go to Miami, the Miami Dolphins. So Seattle at Miami. Seattle is favored by six. Last time I checked, it wouldn't surprise me if it went up to seven. Um... Dolphins aren't a particularly good team, but they were interesting. I'm sure you guys saw Thursday Night Football, the upsetted, quote-unquote upsetted, the Jacksonville Jaguars who were favored by three going to Thursday Night Football. But yeah, the Dolphins, they do have some capable weapons on their offense, whether or not you believe in Ryan Fitzpatrick, Fitzmagic. Uh, they have some playmakers with Giuseppe, Devontae Parker, Pat Williams, uh, they got some interesting pieces on their offense. And so the over-under for this game is 54, which is suggesting that it could be a shootout. And why would this sort of game be perceived as a shootout? I mean, the Seahawks are 3-0. and They're a good team, right? Uh, yes, but for the fact that their offense has just been that much better than all the other opponents that they've had. They've outscored every opponent the last three weeks, whether it's been the Falcons, the Patriots, the Cowboys, yep, pretty much whatever that's been put at them, they've just outscored them. 
and it hasn't been because of the defense. Uh, the, the secondary ranks near last in that department, and they've had a lot of injuries, uh, especially last week. They had a lot of injuries. So Jamal Adams left the game. Quinn Dunbar left the game. So they are going to be out for this upcoming week four. And that puts a lot of pressure on the secondary because the secondary hasn't been good to begin with. And mind you, they've, you know, the last couple of weeks, they've had commanding leads where they'll have a more cushioned back zone defense uh, in the second half, which might explain some of the yardages. Because if you look at the numbers right now, I mean, the secondary has allowed a lot a lot of receiving yards from opposing opposing offenses. And so that's going to be a concern because, like I said, Jamal Adams is out. Quinn Dunbar is out. So you're going to see some Trey Flowers. And you're going to have, instead of Jamal Adams, you're going to have an undrafted guy uh, by the name of Ryan Neal, who's going to be brought up from the practice squad. So that isn't good. And, you know, this Dolphins... Offense. I mean, I know that people shit on the Dolphins as a whole, as, as a team, and I can understand that because, you know, they're the Dolphins, but they have some nice pieces. Seriously. Devontae Parker might be the X factor for this game because I know that the Seahawks are going to put up points, and so the Dolphins are certainly going to at least try to go tit-for-tat with the Seahawks and, and their, their passing offense. And Devontae Parker is... By far their best receiving threat, vertically, red zone wise, just everything. Um, he, he's been he's been really good for them. And c- keep in mind too, if I'm looking at the tight end spot, Mike Chesky, who's been used very much so in the slot position for them in this offense as a slot tight end receiver ordeal. He's been running a lot more passing routes than blocking, and I can see it being the case against the Seahawks because. They're already without Bruce Irvin, so they put Jordan Brooks in last week for his first start, and he got hurt, so he's out. And so you're going to have Cody Barton. So he's going to essentially come in and replace the backup to the other starter. So they're on their third-string linebacker over there at that, that spot. They still have Casey Red and Bob Wagner, but I'm just saying, it doesn't make it any easier. So all in all, I mean, the point of emphasis for this defense, secondaries hurt, so they're going to need some pass rush. And pleasantly surprised because they had a key, key sack by their rookie Alden Robinson last week. And so I'm hoping to see a little bit more from the edge positions. Uh, Some LJ Collier, who's been, you know, as a first round pick, maybe hasn't lived up to the expectations quite yet, but he's been looking promising. Alden Robinson mentioned just now, made a big play last week. Benson Mayoa, he has been by far their most consistent pass rusher. Uh, but all in all, I want to see this group do something against Ryan Fitzpatrick and this passing offense. Get to the quarterback. Because here's here's the thing. If they don't get to it, this secondary could be in for a long day. Uh, and I'm serious. Like, this Dolphins team, while they are... I mean, for, they're at Miami. They're at home. They have the pieces. They can certainly put up points. So you should not discount this Dolphins team. Good news, though. Despite all these injuries, they have Russell Wilson, and they have arguably the best receiving duo in the league in Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. And I'm sure you guys saw, I mean, DK Metcalf had a great game last week, but he also had uh, a dumbfounded 
catch that should have been a touchdown, but it was fumbled. It was knocked down by uh, by a cornerback, and it fumbled into the end zone, and it went back for a touchback. I'm sure that will be a point of emphasis for this passing offense to get it right and not to make too many mental errors. Because, I mean, this Dolphins team, decent secondary, but no Byron Jones. So I'm expecting DK Metcalf and Tyler Luckett to have a field day with Russell Wilson continuing to cook. So put this all together, 31 31-21 Seahawks, they come out with the win. Kind of close at first because of, you know, just some of the deficiencies by the Seattle defense and especially by the secondary. But I think eventually it'll pull forward and they'll come out with the win. So 31-21. Another thing to note, Chris Carson, I'm sure you guys saw that really nasty, dirty hit against the Cowboys uh, where Chris Carson looks like he had a pretty gnarly injury. He's slated to start. He's got, he had a knee strain. Uh, so both him and Carlos Hyde, they should be slated to play. And I'm hoping that is the case. All right, 10 a.m. games are done. Let's go ahead and switch to 1 o'clock. 1 o'clock, home game for the Rams, and they are coming off a really tough, tough, tough loss at Buffalo in the East Coast. They had a chance to win. Mentioned before, uh, there was a questionable passing interference call that gave life to the Bills, and the Bills ended up getting the uh, go-ahead touchdown for the game. It was pretty tough. It's pretty tough. Uh, You could blame that, but you could also blame, you know, earlier in that drive when the Bills were making that final push for the win. uh, They allowed a third and 22. So you can point the finger at the P.I. call. But once again, I mean, this game is not decided by one particular play, but a series of plays, which is four quarters for a ball game. So, yeah, I'm the Rams. I'm pissed. I'm at home. They're favored by 12 and a half, 48 against the lowly Giants, who just got their asses handed by the Niners, uh, the B team for the Niners. And yeah, they have to go from east to west to play the Rams at their new stadium. And if I'm the Rams, yeah, favored by 12 and a half, over under 48. I can see why. I see a bit of a fuck you revenge factor being a little pissed off after what happened the previous week against the Bills. And so if I'm Sean McVay and I have this offense, I am really, really motivated to go back home and leave no doubt that losing to the Bills was an outlier. It was a game that they should have won despite being down early on, but they had a chance to win and they should have won. Okay, so I am coming with a motivated offense an offense where their offensive line has improved leaps and bounds in comparison to last year. And they pretty much have the same group for their offensive line, uh, save you for Joe Noteboom, who is out in IR. But they put in David Edwards at guard, and I think he's done a really good job. I mean, he was drafted out of college as a tackle, but they put him at guard. He's been a mauler. And collectively with this group, I think just another year with chemistry has paid dividends for this group because they've been able to what they've been able to run the ball really well. Daryl Henderson uh, wasn't really expecting this going into the year, but Cam Akers, Malcolm Brown, Daryl Henderson. Uh, I didn't expect Daryl Henderson to be the emerging back, but from what you saw last week against the Bills, it's kind of working. He's looking good. So they're going to roll with the hot hand. 
The rookie Cam Akers is out again with a rib injury. So you're going to see mostly Daryl Henderson and a little bit of Malcolm Brown. And I think this is uh, this should be a really good game for Daryl Henderson and this run game. These Giants linebackers, they are not good. This run defense is, I mean, it's a decent group, um, but they can be had on the outside. And you saw that last week. You saw that uh, you know, with Jarek McKinnon and a couple other plays on the outside where they turned the corner against this Giants front seven. I think that could certainly happen with Daryl Henderson. I think he could have a really good game. Uh, and I think that this game could get out of hand, uh, especially if Sean McVay is rolling with the playmaking. If he gets his run game, he gets his play action, if he's able to utilize Tyler Higby in the end zone, a little bit of uh, Cooper Cup with his routes, some Robert Woods. But I think all in all, you're really starting to see this offense come together uh, in 2020 for Sean McVay. Uh, conversely, on the other end, if I'm on the defense, you know these linebackers for the Rams... While they have been solid, they're they're still a work in progress. You know, Micah Kaiser, a couple of these other guys for their linebacker corps. Evan Ingram, tight end for the Giants. Now, I know that he had a pretty quiet game against the Niners last week, but Evan Ingram is a guy that you need to pay attention to, uh, especially since their pass coverage for their linebackers remains a work in progress. Daniel Jones, Danny Dimes had a bad week against the Niners, but... You know, he, I think he's better. I think he's better than the set line last week against the Niners. I think that he can certainly sling the ball. Um, he can certainly run the ball, as you, as you saw, with his legs. But I would keep in a special eye on their athletic tight end in Evan Ingram. All in all, I don't really have too much to say about this game just because I'm pretty confident in this Rams team being leaps and bounds better than the Giants, especially up to this point. I know that the Giants have a decent run defense. And actually, I, I can't really say too much. They have a lot of injuries, too. Sterling Shepard is on the IR. Saquon Barkley's out. Uh, yeah, it's going to be Darius Slayton, Evan Ingram, and Danny Dimes. So just give me the Rams 30-17. to 17. I think that this will be done rather quickly. I would be very surprised if this was more competitive than the 13-point spread that's been given by Vegas, I would lay the points for this, okay? 30-17 to 17 Rams. Last but not least, Sunday Night Football. Sunday Night Football. The Niners, after back-to-back games in the East Coast, they come back for, I think it's like, what, a three-, four-game homestand? Uh, yeah, on, on paper, when you looked at the schedule come 2020, you thought this was going to be a pretty tough one. Against the Eagles, because the Niners are hosting the Eagles, and, you know, at least for me, this is what I remember. I remember in 2018, like, started from the bottom, and now we're here. But 2018, these Niners got smashed by the Eagles. Uh, The Eagles were the darling of the NFL, the darling of the NFC, coming off a Super Bowl. Uh, They had an emerging star in Carson Wentz, a really talented defensive line. And they were going up against a Niners team that was still rebuilding, still finding themselves, and for that game in particular, both tackles at the time, Joe Staley and Mike McGlinchey, got hurt, so they actually had to use their guards as tackles, and it was a forgettable game for the Niners franchise. Fast forward to today, October 4th, 2020, and you're looking at a team uh, just completely flipped, 
completely flipped. So the Niners are the team with depth and coming off a Super Bowl appearance. And the Eagles right now, they are they're struggling with their depth. And mind you, both the Niners and the Eagles have a ton of injuries, but you're seeing the cream to the crop rise with this Niners team as they demolish both the Jets and the Giants with their B teams. And ironically, too, like the last time they played in 2018, Nick Mullins was still under center and he didn't play well. But Nick Mullins is year four in the system. And against this Eagles team that is battered down, I I mean, it's just so weird because Carson Wentz, he's playing probably his worst football ever, you know, in, in 2020. He's coming off. I think he has six interceptions. He's been sacked several times. But it's not necessarily all his fault, too. Offensive line. Jason Peters, he was a guard uh, because of the injury to Andre Dillard. He slided in at left tackle. And now Jason Peters has a toe injury and has been placed on IR. Their other starting guard, Brandon Brooks, he is out. Lane Johnson, right tackle. He should play this game. He's been injured the last week or so. But you can tell that this offensive line has been struggling. Struggling. And that all factors in because you put more pressure on Carson Wentz to make a play. And you, you can make a case that as athletic as he is, he might hold on to the ball a little too long. And I can understand that too because, once again, injuries, their depth chart for the receivers. To make matters worse, you have no Austin Jeffrey, no Deshaun Jackson, no J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. You pretty much have, you have Greg Ward. I think that's about it. There's no no one else that really has NFL experience. Uh, their rookie, Jalen Rigger, is also out. He's on injured reserve. And so they don't have... I, I really can't tell you right now who's going to start outside of Greg Ward for wide receiver. Tight ends, they're typically really strong. They have Dallas Godert, but he's on IR. He got hurt with an ankle injury. So you have Zach Ertz. You have Zach Ertz, and you have Greg Ward as your receivers. Oof, that is rough for Carson Wentz. That is rough when you consider the offensive line and the receivers are both battered down. I think the one positive thing right now for the this Eagles offense is, and they're probably going to do this, but they're really going to focus the offense around their, their running back, uh, Miles Sanders. And he's been pretty much the do-it-all back, both as a receiver, as a runner. He had about 90 rushing yards last week, several catches, but... You know, if you want to protect Carson Wentz uh, and try to move the chains and have some stability on this offense, I think that this offense is going to go around Miles Sanders. So if I'm the Niners and I am on the defense, I mean, with an offensive line this battered, I am very curious to see if they can bring it home and get some sacks. Whether it's Eric Armstead as the big end or maybe some of their new edge rushers since Nick Bosa is hurt. You have Ziggy Ansa, you have Kerry Hyder, uh, you have shoot, Deion Jordan from the practice squad who had a sack last week. You have some new faces in light of all of the turnover that the Niners have had from their injuries. But can this defensive line take advantage of it? Can Javon Kinlaw, a rookie, have his breakout game? He's been having a, a pretty promising start early on in his career, but can he put it all together? Uh, the opportunity should certainly be there against the Eagles. Keep in mind, though, if I'm the linebackers for the Niners and this front seven, 
they're going to play another athletic quarterback that can run. They already got killed by Kyler Murray. Danny Dimes last week against the Giants, while he, you know, he didn't have a great day, but he had several runs for long yard gainage. So, I mean, for this linebacker's corpse, I mean, can they contain the mobile quarterback? Because that's the one thing that I'm scared in particular about Carson Wentz is his ability to make yards on the run. Another interesting to note, too, is, you know, while this Eagles wide receiver core is battered down, so are the Niners. From what I understand, Sherman remains out. Keller Witherspoon, hamstring, he's probably going to be out. And Mostert, uh, he had a concussion last week. I don't think he's going to play. So you're going to have Jason Verrett and Dante Johnson. Uh, Not the best starting lineup, but against this Eagles team, maybe it won't be so bad. Won't be so bad. I think the biggest thing that I'm going to be concerned about is going to be Zach Ertz. So I'm looking at you, Tukwiski Tart, and at you, Quan Alexander, for the coverage. Hmm. Last but not least, I guess offensively, I've been talking all about Niners defense and what they're going to do against the, the Eagles. But, you know, when the Niners have the football, Sunday night football, I'm pretty excited to see, you know, coming back to Nick Mullins being the quarterback right now in light of Jimmy Garoppolo's injury. Nick Mullins was there in 2018, so it would be very nice, come full circle in 2020, if he has a convincing win against this Eagles defense. Now, the Eagles, the one thing that they do have is, you know, their secondary is battered, their linebackers are, are crap, but their defensive line, especially their interior pass rush, remains one of the strong points on this team. Whether it is Fletcher Cox, Brendan Graham, uh, she, Josh Sweat, um, Derek Barnett, I mean, they have a pretty good defensive line still, okay? Now, this Niners offensive line, it's been better, but... On the interior spots, which is center and the guard spots, that remains a work in progress. And so that is the one strength that the Eagles can do to push the line and really get up front in Nick Mullen's face. But thankfully, there's reinforcements on this offense because George Kittle, tight end, I don't know if you know about him, but the Niners started tight end. He is slated to make his return back after missing the last game with a knee sprain, he's slated to play, and kind of a surprise. D. Will Samuel, who j- just got back off IR, he had foot surgery, but he had a really strong practice this week, and he is slated to make his return on Sunday Night Football too. So you put Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, D. Will Samuel. Not bad receiving options on Sunday Night Football. Not bad for the homestand on the spotlight so Mullins already has a connection with Kittle he was actually the quarterback that enabled Kittle to break the receiving yard for tight ends that one year in 2018 so what will Kyle Shanahan do on the national spotlight against an Eagles team that I'm sure he would love love to get the oomph right back after getting their asses handed a couple years back so all in all uh, look at this where this is a really bad Eagles team uh, I am concerned always about Carson Wentz. The numbers don't show it this season in particular, but he's still a good quarterback. And yeah, they have that interior pass rush with their defensive tackles. So go ahead and give me the Niners 30-16. to 16. I think that they get it done despite all their injuries. The Eagles have more injuries and they are clearly the worst team.
They were the worst team. All right, so all in all, I mean, Cardinals, Panthers, 27-24, Cardinals, I'm predicting. Seahawks, Dolphins, 31-21, Seahawks, Rams roll over the Giants, 30-17, and the Niners, 30-16. So all in all, yeah, I'm expecting a big sweep from the NFC West. Uh, When you look at the Giants, the Eagles, the Dolphins, the Panthers, I mean, I think the best team out of this bunch would probably be... I mean, going into this season, I thought the Eagles, but maybe the Panthers are the best team out of the bunch. But I I see this being a pretty good, convincing win for all four teams in the NFC West. Uh, But we'll see what happens come Sunday. So once again, thank you so much for checking out the pod, whether you do it on iTunes or Spotify. I'm also on Twitter, at JustTheWest, Instagram, at JustTheWest, and of course the blog, www.justthewest.com. Until next time, we out here. Peace.